Good evening, and you're very welcome to the LOI Women's Podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. Once again, it's episode, I think it's 14. I've kind of lost count at this stage. It's the mid-season break, though, at least from the league action. And we're back again once again, just to take a look back at the opening 13 games of the season, 13 rounds of the season, uh, with myself, Brefney Early, and, of course, uh, Aaron Clark. Aaron, you're welcome to another week of the show. Is it 13 rounds? Is it 14 rounds? It's 14 rounds gone. Most teams have played 13. Some have played 12. I get, I'm, I'm getting confused as well, even at this stage. The odd, the odd game always throws me off. Um, how are you anyway? How's your week been? My camera's yeah, been, good, been good. Mm-hmm. Managed to get to managed to get to a game last Saturday. Hoping to get to one this Saturday. Just a little bit up in the air. Uh, the day job was getting in the way. But we're hoping to figure a few things out. Yeah, not been good. Um, squad announcement Friday. Vera was quite relaxed. Then went into the weekend's games and things just kicked on and looking forward to looking forward to tonight and getting the getting the P man talk on a little bit. Yeah, of course we're going to be joined by Kate Mooney, top scorer in the league so far this season. We're going to see if she can hold on to that position and maybe get her thoughts on that in just a couple of moments. They, of course, had a massive victory in Tallis Stadium against Shamrock Rovers. The Shamrock Rovers' first defeat of the season. Um, it's really kind of given P man one hand potentially on a title. Is that? Too early to call yet, seven games to go, six-point lead? It's a bit early to go, but the only thing I will say is they're finished with Shamrock Rovers, they're finished with Shells. Both is their first game back in, in, in late August when the season comes back. To win that, then you're probably going to say yes, but like for me, it's just just a completely different female team this year. The, the tenacity, the the hunger, like the defense, defensively, they've been brilliant all year. And like... At the minute, you're saying they're worthy, they're worthy favourites at the minute, absolutely, but wouldn't go as far as saying one hand on the trophy just yet. What game are you at the weekend? I was at Shells Wexford. Um, plenty of goals. Plenty of goals, probably, and I tweeted this as well, it's probably the first time I've seen Shells look that comfortable against Wexford. It could have been more. could have been more than 5-0, let's be honest with you. Like, Oakland scoring in the first minute. Young Hannah Healy with her first goal as well for the, for the club, and at senior level, and you're, you're just sort of thinking, train it up at half time, can Wexford sort of build back into it, and then all of a sudden, Shells get the two other goals in the second half, and you're thinking, okay, it looked easy. Like, I know people will say the 4 0 win when the league was won last year was, was a convincing victory, but this was just another step on, and I don't even think Shells had to come out of second gear. That's the, that's the frustrating thing. Talk to me about that second goal, Hannah Healy's first strike in the league, because how cool a cucumber was that? She had the first chance, got blocked. Um, second chance and slipped and then had the peace of mind to not panic when the ball came back just lying on the ground just put her foot through into the bottom corner it was just it it had it, it didn't look like someone's first goal in the league you have to remember think about her age she's only she just gone she's just gone 16 you know what I mean and for her to do that as well and have the composure like she didn't look out of place you could see her beside Rachel Graham and beside Alex Kavanagh and just looks so comfortable. The one thing I will say is, and I know I know our guest is a good friend of ours, Alex Kavanagh back in that Shelburne team just makes such a difference. It's nearly like having a little twinkle toes there. She can play the ball back, play the ball forward, play the ball left, right. Just keeps that little, that thing's ticking at times. And, and it's probably it's what Shell's needed. But yeah, young Healy, she's been very good. Absolutely very, very good. And, I wouldn't be surprised to see her to see her pushing on now in the next month in the next month month over the the All Ireland Cup and, and really putting a stamp on the Shells team. 
Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We're going to talk about the Avenue Sports All-Island Cup as well. We might get a ch chance to chat to Kate about that. But it's a good time to maybe bring her into the conversation. Uh, uh, so, Kate Mooney, you're very, very welcome to the programme. Thank you very much for having me. We've kind of already given you the introduction, but I suppose officially you're uh, newly signed with Piedmont this year. Of course, top of the table at the moment, but also individually top of the goal scorers charts. It's been a pretty good move for you over the last six months. Yeah, I think it was a risk to move, definitely. But I think the risk has paid off. And I think it was a challenge, but I think I took it with both hands. And I'm only been smiling enough from here. So it's good. Good so far. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like you say, you say it's a risk. Like I think even for, for, forget the moving to P-Mount. Leaving Shelburne, when you left Shelburne, everybody probably thought, oh, you know, you're going to decide that potential win leagues. They've won leagues since. Even that was a risk. And you, you've just sort of, how would you say, you continue to take them. And it's all, is it fair to say it's a, it's about you playing football and you playing regularly rather than maybe just sitting on a bench or maybe not being fully happy where you are, where you are and sort of things? Yeah, all, all my moves so far have been 100% about me just playing football, just being on that pitch every weekend, training every week, and just knowing that I'm going to be on the team sheet and being able to play because I think I spent a lot of time on the bench at Shells and I thought to myself, I'm never letting myself go through this again, sitting on the bench watching watching people play football and that's all you want to do. So I think making the move from Shells was probably the biggest thing I've ever done and I was sad to leave, but I think it's, looking back, probably the best thing I could have done. Obviously, a lot of your time at DLR, you missed out through injury. I know we chatted to you last year when you were just kind of the brink of coming back. Um, in terms of the, when you looked at the opportunity to go to Piedmont, was the fact that they'd lost a lot of attacking players to various clubs that there, you could see that opportunity and that realistically you were going to be in the frame for a lot of game time? We made any promises? Did you have a gun to James's head to say, playing your own side? Uh, not at all. No, I don't. I actually don't. I think I like that when a manager says you're going to be in my team every week. I think I like when they like say you're going to have to work hard to get into this team. And I'm like, fair enough, challenge accepted. Um, but I think what I really like about Piedmont is I actually said like no that I was going to stay at Dior um, at first. And then they they just never gave up on me when I was considering when a lot of other people left Dior after that. I said no. After I said no, a lot of other people left. And then Obviously, I had to kind of open my mind up again about move, um, and then Piedmont were just straight on me again. They just, they just really wanted me to play for them, and I kind of, I really respect that, and I think they really rate me highly. So I went with them. James really seems like a good, a good guy, so I went with him. It's fair to say that this season was a real. There's so much pressure on probably on yourself from yourself this year because of the fact that. You come back from the, the the ACL last year. You you then sort of get in a little bit of a groove, a couple of niggles, and people are probably wondering, will Kate score goals in the league? How much pressure did you put on yourself come make it when you made the move to Piedmont? I bought a lot of pressure on myself. Um, I still think I still do every week. My confidence fluctuates weekly, I'd say, just from myself because um, I feel like I have a lot to prove, not only to everyone in the league, but to myself mostly, to just show myself that I can do this, that I can be a good player in the league and play every week for a top team like Piedmont. So it's like constantly, there's a constant challenge on myself, 
to prove myself that I'm good enough, you know, in that kind of sense. Chat to us about the game last weekend, because obviously uh, there's so much talk both on this show and on other platforms about the Shamrock Rovers' influence coming into the league and the impact they were going to have. And and potentially because they were so close geographically and so many players have moved from one to the other over the, the offseason, there was that little bit of rivalry that maybe just needed to be kind of sorted out. What was the atmosphere like going into that game within the Piedmont camp? I know you weren't involved with the club last year, but there must have been that kind of a really big game atmosphere around that particular game last weekend. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a massive game. Uh, it was actually the first time I've ever played on TV before, so I think I was especially nervous. Um, but just the passion and the work right within this Piedmont group that we've had since pre-season and the passion to stay together as a group. And we are just all really, really good friends and we all have each other's back. So I think that drove us on in that in that game against Rovers. Um, I don't think it was a very nice game to watch. It was, it was very back and forth, no real chances and stuff like that. So it was very hard to play in. Um, and But I think, thank God we came out with the result. I think it was massive on our character. I think we were resilient. We just kept going defensively. I thought we were brilliant. The defence haven't let us down once this this season. Um, so it's just a pat, pat to the back for them. And yeah, I think it was just it's really good and six points clear. I don't know what more we could have asked for from the team, from James, from the backroom staff. And it was just, it was a great atmosphere. And hats off to Rovers as well. They, they got a record crowd in as well. So it was amazing to be a part of. Was there anything about the game when you played them a couple of weeks previous in, in Piedmont that sort of added a little bit of extra motivation? Because maybe that's one that you, you look back on and it's probably one that got away that you only come away with in a little draw. Did that add anything extra when you were going to tell it? Uh, definitely. I think we should have won that game. So I think, in a way, we were lucky um, in Tala. And maybe it's because of the game that we should have won before. Um, but it's also not luck because we do we work hard every week so um, we did deserve it we deserve every win that we have so far you talked about the six point gap at the top of the season um, did you expect to be in this position at the start of the year two thirds of the way through the season or is it maybe just a little bit higher than maybe even anticipated yourself when you joined the club at the start of the season yeah I really hadn't a clue how the season was going to go Um I was just excited to get started and, and see where we could go. I think I think James said in an interview, he was just like, if you told me we were going to be like this at the start of the season, he would have been like, that's amazing. It's brilliant. And it is. And But I think it's just our hard work as well. Like pre-season was brutal. We were in the army camp and everything. Like it was just, it was amazing. Like I, I've never been as fit in my life. I've never been so resilient mentally strong I've never wanted to work so hard for the players around me and I think that just goes through the whole team and I think that's why we're six points clear at the top and hopefully we keep going that way and keep working hard Definitely that's what I sort of said to you a couple of times this season about the resilience of P-Mount and, and the attitude and because like you look at the times where Kate hasn't played 90 come off where she run, run our legs into the ground like for you Kate in terms of you say the fittest you've been Mm -hmm. Like, did you have any sort of fears 
because like last season when you had Niggles come on but after especially coming back off the ACL, did you have any fears that maybe with a tough preseason that maybe the first half of the season wouldn't go your way in terms of fitness or anything like that? Or how did you sort of build into the build into the preseason to be to be sharp when the season starts? Yeah, I think just for off season, I think I was just constantly in the gym. I constantly built built myself up to be able to handle this season to for my knee to be able to handle the season especially. I keep doing rehab constantly. I'm constantly in the gym before training and stuff like that, preparing myself for the week. And I think just my personality in any ways, on match day, I'll run into the ground for anyone. Do you know, if you ask me to run however long, if James asked me to run however long on a pitch, I'd run run my legs through the ground for, for this team and for anyone. And I don't even care about me scoring or just as long as we win, I'm happy. Of course, the little the carrot at the end of the league season, should you go on to win the league title, we're not going to put, uh, hopefully I'm going to put a curse on you, but uh, should you want to do that, of course, is that the team qualify once again for the Champions League. You missed that with Shells. You didn't get to play in that back in the day. Um, has that been a niggle in the back of your mind about maybe getting back to that level and showing what you can do, not just here, but maybe on, on a level above? Yeah, I think um, with Shells, I did, I did miss out on playing Champions League I think I got like seven minutes or something like that I still had the one goal though in that seven minutes so that was kind of amazing but I would love I would definitely love to play in Champions League I think that would be a dream of mine achieved and um, if I could do that with this team in Piedmont that would even be better but I think I can't think too far ahead we can't think too far as ahead as a team because if you do that you lose track and on what the objective is so I think it would be amazing I would love it and it would be very exciting, and but I'll I'll focus on the the talent again next week on Rovers again. I don't want to single out players, Kate, but we sort of have to in this sense the importance of Karen Duggan because everybody yeah. said in the off season once Anya's gone, once Anya announced she's gone, we sort of knew Stephanie was going to follow suit. And Karen says no, Shamrock Rovers and stays with P-Mounts. Talk to us about her, what she's like in the dressing room for a player, especially when you come into a new club. I just think the the aura that Karen brings in the dressing room is none like I've ever seen it. It's kind of like Pearl at the Shell's dressing room. You know, it's kind of like this person that you know is going to have your back. Like, I know if I turned around to Karen and was like, I can't run these next five minutes, she'll do that running for me. And I will 100% do that back for her. She's just that type of player you can lean on. You can go to her for everything. And I think from day one when I went to Piedmont, I felt that. And I think all the girls will say the same. She's just a tremendous captain. I think she deserves everything that she's getting this season. And she honestly deserves a lot more credit than she actually gets, I think. it's. I think she's just amazing. Well, she has been in the team of the week probably more than any other yeah. player. Yeah, the second, 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 me, <laughs> well, second, second most. To the next girl I was going to mention, <laughs> who has been on fire for the last couple of weeks. This month as well. Like... We talk about the, the drain out of Piedmont at the end of last season. You've got player of the month, probably the best player in the league in Karen, and yourself as top scorer. It's not a bad replacement crew for what they've lost over the winter. Yeah, I think they they did lose a quality players in the in the off season and I only hope that I could live up to what they've lost. But I think that the players that they had would have been well able. hundred percent well able. Like the quality they have in that young 
young team coming up, the likes of Ellen Dolan, Jess Fitzgerald, like they're going to be Ireland players in my eyes in the future. I think they're ones to watch. I think they're brilliant. And I think P's set up underage, I think is one of the best in the country. So I don't think P Mount have any worries for the future or for any players that they lose in the future. I think they've got a great setup. What's it like though playing with a with a side who like you look at you look at you talked about giving your defence a pat on the back, but you've got two players, Chloe Maloney this year has been instrumental. Jenna Barrow was probably playing left wing last year and yeah. the two of them sent her back and then when with them marshalling marshalling the defence and then with the likes of Syeth Doyle, Karen, you talked about Jess Fitzgerald, who I've been raving about for weeks on this show. Like, what's it like when you're playing within that team and and things are things are going well? Because even when you've had blips, you've been able to put the blip behind you quickly and get back to back to form. I think just as a striker, and I look behind me and I see them players, I know I'm going to get chances. So I think as a striker, that's the best thing for me to see on a pitch. I think having the quality of Side Doyle, I think she's assisted half my goals. And I could only thank her for it. And I thank her every training session for it. Um, I think she's just one of the best players in the country. And to have that behind me in the 10, I could only be lucky to play with a player like that. Um, I think having Jess and Karen control that midfield um, just brings a calmness to the team, which is really nice to have. They settle the game down. They play side to side. I think it's it calms me down. It's not as chaotic. I get I get balls to my feet. Um, I get to play around and just to have that like Jeddah and Chloe absolute brick wall at the back brings a sense of comfort and calm and safety again so if I lose the ball up top I know I know I have a whole army back there that are, aren't gonna um, let the ball go into the other side of the net so it's like a safety net for me having them all back down there and I have a question for you. It's a little bit left field, but I want to talk about uh, the position you found yourself in last summer or last winter with, at the end of the, the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a, a friends in all the camps because you've played for DLO, you've played for Shells. Because of the way girls move around the teams, particularly in Dublin, you probably have played with half, of, at least half of every dressing room in the capital. Um, how does that work? Is it an official contact from the manager? Does it come through players? Um, what was your experience? Do you have your mates kind of going, come on, play with us? Or is it all done relatively above board, essentially? It's, it's, I, I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah, uh, yeah I had, I I think Sive Dahl was actually probably one of the first people to text me. I think she, she just texted me on Instagram and with like them eye emojis and was just like, heard about you. One of them kind of text messages. So yeah, when you have friends in the league, they definitely do text you being like, what's your plans? Um, but yeah, I think Sive Dial was actually one of the first and obviously playing beside her was a big pull as well. So, so I hopping your DMs. Bethany, I've got a, I've got a trivia question for you though. Oh God, I caught you on last week. So what's funny coming with me? Yeah. So Kate Mooney and one other player have something in common that they've both played in goal during the game in the same game and then play outfield in the same game. Can you tell me the other player and the team? <laughs> I Did you score in this game, Kate, as well? I don't think so, but I think I, I know the other player. I know the other player did. Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna guess shells against. Oh, uh, <laughs> I won't get against. 
But I'm going to get shells, and I would probably say Noel Murray. You've got the Noel Murray on right. Okay. I, 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 okay, yeah, I wouldn't have got the, I wouldn't have got it against. Against Limerick, and they actually kept a clean sheet that day. Well, congratulations, Kate. You'll have to give me that on the, on the record. <laughs> Were you in goals for long? I think I think uh, Noel was in goals for like 15 minutes, and then I was in for the rest of the game. It would be like in 20 years, we'd be seeing a video. I don't know if you've seen the ad uh, that John O'Shea has done recently for, I think it's Just Eat or something. Um, but it's ridiculous about his uh, nutmeg on Figo that time. And they made a whole 20-minute fake documentary about the the, the, the nutmeg. It's hilarious. So, yeah, we might yeah, see... He also, played, he also played in goal for United as, did, as well. That's why, came, that's why he came to mind. That's why he came to mind. Um, it's okay. Kate, Oh, sorry. I was going to ask Kate about the Abner Cup that starts this weekend. Of course, it's a new competition. Um, I think it's safe to say it's probably going to be an opportunity, much like the League Cup would have been, to give maybe secondary players some game minutes that they haven't got. Do you expect to feature much in this? Will it be a a, a bit of a, re- a change PMI team, or will it be a complete kind of second string that will be playing at the weekend? Uh, I think I'd like to play, but if, if he doesn't, he decides to rest me I'd, I'd be happy enough I think um, it's great for the girls that haven't got much game time it's great for also we've got a few niggles that need to be rested so I think it's great for our players to rest and recover because we have um, another half of the season to go so um, I would like to play yeah I, I want to play any game that I can possible I was there for a year at my ACL so I'm, I'm sick of missing football so it's not like you've got a tough draw or anything <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, the so-called group of death. Uh, we might, yeah. just, we might yeah. just bring it up here quickly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny, Brethny. I was chatting. To, I was chatting to Kate briefly on, on Saturday, and I actually asked the exact same question. And the first thing she said was, "I want to play every game. I've missed too much football." And I was yeah. just like, "You could easily turn around and tell me now. Nah, I want a couple of weeks off. I want a nice. Yeah. I want a nice holiday." But Kate's like, "No, I want to play every game." And I just, I just think the attitude is just. It's spot on for because a lot of people, it can be difficult for a competition like this because they see such a long mid-season break that they can turn around and say, you know what, I wouldn't mind a bit of a break and then come back in and mini pre-season and back into the second half of the season, especially considering the top of the league. But Kate's just like, no, nope, I want to play. And I like that because that just shows that A, always wants to continue to improve and get better. But B, you know, also has a lot of respect for the fact that it's, an, it's a new competition and it's, it's something that as well hasn't been won before. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's another cup to win. Shamrock Rovers, as you mentioned, back to Tala this weekend in that particular competition, but Glentorn and Wexford Youths uh, await. How much do you know about Glentorn, or is this all kind of a bit of a new adventure for you? I think we played them in pre-season, actually. Um, if I remember correctly, I think we did, and they gave us a really good game. Um, are they top of the league up in the north? You know. I think they're they're up there they're there thereabouts there. Yeah. I think I think they're Aaron's, Aaron's gone to Google it right now. Uh I don't know much, but I remember playing them. I thought they were better side out of all the other Northern Ireland teams that we played. So I know yeah. it's gonna be a tough game in any way. Derry were in the competition, but they've been replaced by Science Swifts, which I think, based on competitive uh, ability of both squads, is probably good for the competition uh, because Derry were struggling in the in the competition. So Science Swifts were I think fourth or fifth in the league, so so will be a, probably a stronger outfit than Derry would have been. So I, I get that Derry are probably there because of the League of Ireland connection, but 
Uh, Science Swift's probably the, the better option in terms of competition. What's your expectations for that competition? Do you think we'll unearth a couple of youngsters maybe coming through, or will it give people a chance to maybe um, meet up with old friends? Because I know there's a few players in that league. I'm not sure if you specifically have played with any of them, but there's definitely girls who played in the league, playing in the Northern League with the five teams that are playing down here. Yeah, I think I've played on Ireland with a few of the girls from Northern Ireland. Um, I think Erin McLaughlin played up there, actually, on our team. She I can't was. remember which team, but I think... Sion, I think she's Sion. Sion, Sion, isn't she? Yeah. I, I think Lynch is Sion as well. Oh, oh, that'll yeah. be very good. So, uh, just on the Northern Irish League, quick one for you. Glenn Thorne have played nine games, won eight, drawn one, scored 57, conceded three. Oh. 57 three. Wow, yeah. they're handy, they're handy, yeah. Um, but they're in your group. Is, now, the only criticism I'd have of the competition is that it's a little bit uh, condensed and they've cut out the quarterfinal stage, which would make sense in four groups of four teams. So, if you don't top your group, you're you've no other game, it's just straight to semi finals, just the group winners. Does that allow maybe the potential for a lot of kind of dead rubbers later in the competition, in your opinion? Uh, I think it will allow for a few shocks that are going to happen in the semi-final. Yeah. But I think it will also be great for like teams that may not get like high up in the league or like from our league anyways, that might not reach the top four. They may have a chance to kind of get a bit of silverware, which I think would be great for them. Um, I think it's just going to be overall good for the league. I don't yeah. see anything going to I think it's going to fill that gap nicely while the girls are away yeah. for the yeah. for the World Cup and stuff and, and keep players playing, which is obviously... Oh, the there's a World Cup coming up, is there? Uh, you know there's a World Cup, Aaron. <laughs> you have flights booked. You have me haunted every week. Uh, and it's, um, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure having you this evening. Uh, I know you've had a long day in work, so thanks for joining us so late uh, in the day as well for a chat. Uh, before we let you go, P-Mount League Champions or no? Of course. <laughs> I like that confidence. Kate, listen, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Best of luck at the weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kate. Kate Mooney there. Um, I, I kind of love really getting inside the players' minds in terms of where they are. And she's had such a good impact this year since arriving at PRL Park. Um, like, it, it can only really get better. For, well, I'm not going to tempt fate because you know, she's had her injury worries and stuff. But it's it's been a really good start to the season for her. Can you Breathing. see... The thing is, right, she scored nine goals, okay? But there's been games where she hasn't scored any goals. And the thing about them games is is that this fact she hasn't... There's some games she probably hasn't had even a shot. But you can see her work rate even in them games is massive. Like, you look at the, the, the likes of the Wexford game in particular, ran herself into the absolute ground. And you could see when James O'Connor took her off, you're probably like, you're like Kate wrecked. Because you've given absolutely everything for, for P-Mount. I think that's probably one of the biggest things is that she's getting a reward for the fact of her, her work rate and her effort. Like The thing is, when she was with Shells, a lot of people looked upon playing college football. There was a lot of talk of scoring a lot of goals and in the colleges and then not really having the impact in, in the National League. And uh, I don't mean to sound, sound bad here. Kate would probably agree with me when I say this. Does that... There was probably times where she was doubting because other people were doubting whether she was good enough to play as a striker at this level. Like the first season with DLO, I scores her first goal, boom, ACL gone, same game. You're thinking, oh no, just left shells as an opportunity and then does that. 
and like even even during that season, like I remember when she got back running, I've been out been out with DLR a couple of times and watching her just actually doing her runs pre-game and stuff like that. And you could see the attention to detail, the the commitment to actually doing that sort of thing. So to see her at top of the goal scoring charts this season and playing really, really well, like you couldn't be not be happier for her because she's worked hard. She's she's been extremely driven to get where she is. And I think PML are getting the rewards of a player who's just ready to sort of burst a little bit. I I I would say she probably she's probably a little bit disappointed to have nine goals. She probably feels she could have a few more and don't be surprised in the next seven games if she scores another nine. Yeah, well, time will tell us how that will pan out for her over the course of the next few months or so. But of course, no league games for the next 10 weeks. Let's take a quick look back at last weekend's games. We've talked a little bit about the Shells game that you were at, and we've also talked about the Pima. I just uh, want to go back to Shells. I just oh, want to go back to the Shells game for a moment. Obviously, the news came out after the game that manager Stephen Quinn has, has since left Wexford Utes. I like Stephen. I got on well with Stephen and a lot of time from. I wasn't surprised to see this change coming. They've lost five drawns, few of their of their twelve games. It's been a difficult season for them. Like a lot of people tipped them to go on and win the title with the firepower they had, the squad they have. Just hasn't it just hasn't worked for one reason or another. It's it's always disappointing to see a manager go, but I will say it's, it's probably the right time for Wexford to make a change, give them the Avenir Cup. Maybe they'll try a couple of players out. The only problem is at the minute we don't know who's gonna be is it who's going to be in as interim manager or what's going to happen for the next couple of weeks? Because it, it's always the one thing. I, the one thing I look at there is who do you get in to replace him? That's the question in that sort of area. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult catchment area. Like, and that's what I'm a little bit unsure about. So it's a it's a watchful eye at the minute. But it's always sad to see a manager go. But I wasn't I wasn't surprised, especially considering the magnitude of some of the defeats and um, some of the defeats like. You look at the Shamrock Rovers game. You look at the, the P-Mount game. Decent in defence. Just the final third. Couldn't get anything going when they got over the opposition half. And sort of games that you're sort of thinking, years gone by, Wexford would have got something out of them. And, you know, it's 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 a, t- it's a tough one to take, especially with the quality in that, in that dressing room. Nicholas Sinna making a matter of 200 appearance for the for the club at the weekends. Kylie Murphy's already passed that figure. And the others who are, who are chomping at the bit and, it just hasn't worked this season and it's sad to see Stephen go, but a change probably might, might help Wexford in the second half. Yeah, of course, 200 plus the, whatever she had racked up before the league even started. You could probably add on another 200 there as well. Uh, in terms of, I suppose, moving on from that game, and of course, it's always sad to see a manager leave the league, but as you said, there's probably justification for that. Um, interesting to see who comes in and what direction Wexford are going to take. They've been competitive for the last decade. And I'd love to see them continue to keep that momentum going. Their squad is aging, but there are some really exciting prospects in there, the likes of Ellen Malloy, Avian Clancy, uh, even Kira Rossler. I don't even think she's 30 yet. So um, there's plenty of young talent as part of that team that we're going to see coming through over the next few years. Um, I was watching the Shamrock, or the Sligo Rovers Galway game, the Battle of the, of the Connacht 2, and... Uh, have you just done care? Hold on, hold on. Have you just done care, Rossley? Thirty. She's nowhere near thirty. I know. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know. Twenty-seven is close to thirty, but it's not thirty. I, that's what I said. She was nowhere near thirty. Um, apologies, Kira. Um, but in moving on to uh, to the, the battle in the West, uh, Galway visitors to the showgrounds on Saturday evening, and they scored a scrappy kind of deflected effort early on. They were well worth the lead, though, and. 
Therese Knebe hit, hit one at a second attempt, essentially. It was a bit of a scramble. The ball came back to her, and she hit it in, I think, off one of the Lockby sisters, or one of the Lockbys. I'm not quite sure which one. Uh, possibly Kerry uh, gave a goalkeeper no chance, 1-0. And I thought they took their foot off the gas. I'm not going to lie. I thought they felt that they were going to go on and score a couple of goals. They didn't really push on. It was into the half hour. That was early on, first 10, 12 minutes. Um, it was well past the hour mark before they got the second. Jenna Slattery uh, pounced onto a, a long ball. It was kind of missed by the Rovers' defence. And uh, she just put it past uh, the goalkeeper. Didn't really give uh, her much chance in goals. Bonnie McKeown, who's been impressive despite being only 18. Slightly had some really good keepers in there. She's keeping Amy Matt out of the side at the moment. So, um, But Sligo, they battled and they, they never gave up. But they didn't look like they had the quality to make a breakthrough either. Uh, they're relying too much on one or two individual players, and um, they're missing that maybe that little bit of spark that they got from like Amy Boyle Carr last year. I don't know if she intends to come back in when the Gaelic season's done, um, like she did last year. Um, they're just missing that little bit of a spark. Maybe that Jim McGuinness gave them last year, but it's just not quite working for Sligo this year. Don't forget, if they don't sign it, sign Amy Boyle Carr during the transfer window, they can't sign her. Unattached free agents can't uh, amateur on amateurs because the league's professional now can't come back in, so they'd have to be cute about that and do things. Want to credit Galway on something here, Breffney? Uh, social media, uh, YouTube highlights, eight minutes of a highlights package Galway put up with some good angles and stuff like that. Great to see. I think did some in some little uh, different bits of footage as well put in. I think it's good to see this Galway social media team being very good from Galway point of view here. I think, is it a case that they got 1-0 up and confidence is probably a little bit of an issue at the minute just because of the fact that they went on that great run, they've lost three or four, they lost a couple on the bounce and they were just looking to try and see it, see it out maybe where where previous, like as you look at against the, when they played Sligo the last time, it was something similar, they were coming through, they didn't have the greatest of form at that stage and they sort of went 1-0 up early and you expect them to kick on, score 3-4-5 and Likewise, again, it's a it's a late second goal, giving a two 0 win. From a Sligo viewpoint, though, after after back of the the comeback against Treaty, like you you were sort of thinking, okay, that's a great comeback, it's a great comeback performance to grab the point. But like for them, as you say, lacking that little bit of spark, it's 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 difficult to say where to where they're going to get someone to, to give them that bit of a spark. Like you have a lot of players there who don't have much experience. Some of them maybe only have a year experience as well, and it's. It's not easy, and it's not easy, and it's difficult. Maybe the Avenir Cup might give them a little bit of an opportunity to try a few different things that 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 they didn't have before, especially with the FAI Cup coming up as well in the second half of the season, to maybe get a bit of a cup run. So I'd be interested to see what way Steve Feeney uses this competition. Does he try players out in different systems, different positions, just to try and see can he get some sort of momentum going? But it's been a really difficult season for Sligo, and it's one that you're looking at where the next win comes from is sort of hard to see bar the likes of maybe a cork a cork game and like I feel sorry for them because especially after after off the point what happened last year and then to come into this season and sort of struggle. It's hard it's hard but with a new with new teams like we've seen for many years both struggle with getting players in and getting getting big results as well. Like it's only really this season that they this season and towards the second half of last season that they sort of kicked on. So like for Sligo, it's, it's a case they're going to have to keep plodding away, but it could be a really, really long second half of the season. Yeah, I think so. But I, as well, they did lose Casey Howe and Emma Hansbury to injury 
albeit late on, they did lose those two players who were hugely influential for them. Uh, Jeremy McGuinness was taken off after 25 minutes. Must have been an injury, but didn't really look like an injury. Uh, quite a strange one. Uh, but she didn't look too happy with being taken off, or maybe that just might have been a reaction to maybe having a knock coming into the game that didn't quite clear up as they hoped it might. Yeah, like Gemma's been Gemma's been good for them as well, and so that's why you 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 would you would suspect that it's something like that. I couldn't imagine her being taken off as a, especially being one up as a as a tactical sub so early on. But as you say, from the slugger viewpoint, Casey Howe be if if it's if it's anyway serious, it'll be a, be a big loss. Emma Hansbury probably this season it's the most football she's played in a long time. She's been fit up until up until now. She's been, she's been fit. She's been able to play ninety minutes quite a lot. Where previous season she hasn't been able to do that. I think from a from a slug of viewpoint, they need as much experience as they as they can get when it comes to players in and around in and around national league because it's a it's a big step from from having underage players come through or even underage internationals because like yes the likes of <coughs> excuse me the likes of shells and PML could do with the likes of Hannah Healy Jets with Gerald because they've got loads of players of great quality around them but it's harder for the likes of a slug to to bring to blood in an underage player especially with. With, with less experience and, and when things aren't going well, so it's 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 difficult and I I really do a feel for them, but like unfortunately at this level the gap is only going to continue to get bigger between the top and the bottom. Yeah, good result for Galway, all the same keeps them somewhat in touch with the top of the table. Let's move to the the Cork City game. They were down um in the weekend. They played Bohemians. Two one the result there. Um. Watch the highlights. Your thoughts on the game first? From a point, it's another good win. It's a, it's another good win. Be extremely disappointed to concede the, the late goal, though. That's probably taking taking the, the the glass off a little bit. Young Kira Senna, she only turned sixteen the day after she scored as well. Like we're seeing more and more younger players come in and score. Like from a, from a viewpoint, like it's been a really good first half of the season. Like to to be. To be two points off second and third, second and third, who are level on the same points, it's probably something that if you'd offered that at the start of the season, they they would have jumped and taken it. Like not all the games have been pretty. You, you you score you score early on, and then you get a second just before half time. You're sort of comfortable, but from a Cork City viewpoint, the the late goal, it's it's one of them that like they've, they've, they've this that tendency they've done it a couple of times of scoring some late goals. But I'd just like to see a little bit more out of Cork. I'd like to see a little bit more in the performances. And it's it's one that they've shown us glimpses of what they're capable of at times, but they haven't really put in a full 90-minute performance just yet to actually to, to merit getting a, a big win. Like To them, 2-1 against Bowers, they'll probably be thinking they could they could have potentially got something even more from the game. But... like. It's it's hard because they're another side who confidence is probably a little bit low. Yes, the draw against Wexford was a was a big result, but again, haven't really kicked on since that either. Yeah, of course, the DLR final game against Trinity United. Uh, you mentioned highlights packages before. We've seen a lot of. Um, I I've complained about highlights packages because they tend to not show much other than the goals. We've we've missed penalties, we've missed dismissals, we've missed a whole lot of range of stuff in the highlights. Which is not ideal. Um, I was impressed with this game. Considering it was nil nil, there was a two and a half minute package. There was three or four chances for each side put into it. Um, it actually looked like an entertaining game despite the scoreless result. Like from from what I from what I'm being told, um, Eve Mandana was br- was brilliant again, even that in the first half. But then yeah, they, then Amory Ulak 
must have been as busy for the fact that she was in the team of the week. But it's it's second nil all job between the two sides. Like the problem is they're both struggling. They're both struggling to score goals. They're both really good goalkeepers that that sort of didn't really help in the, in this sort of game. It's it's one of these that I probably expected that this would probably be the result of the thing. But then again, from a Laura Heffernan viewpoint, you've taken five points from your opening three games. You haven't lost any of your opening three games. She's got to be happy with how life in the in the hot seat has started. From an Alvin Heisel point of view, I'm sure if you offered Alvin the points he'd have, he has now on the board at the start of the season, he probably said, "Yeah, thank you." Like that's two draws and a bounce. Them the draw with Sligo and then the draw with the draw with DLR. Like they just need to turn some of these into wins. If they could turn a couple of these into wins, I think they could have a they could they could really start to to close the gap to the teams just above them. But you can see why these two, at the minute why these two teams are sort of in a bit of a scrap together in and around the table because there isn't a lot between them at the minute and probably a nil all draw is probably a fair result. Let's take a quick look at the table. Piedmont, as we've mentioned a couple of times in the interview with Kate, uh, they're six points clear at the top of the table, 13 points played for all of the top five sides. Shells and Shamrock Rovers level six points behind on 28 points. Bowes two points further back with Galway United completing the top five in the league table, 22 points for them. A bit of a gap back to Westford and Athlone. And then, as you mentioned, DLR three points behind. And then a gap again, a little bit of a gap there between Treaty and DLR and Sligo and Cork just propping up the table. If we take a quick look at some of the statistics, uh, if we go to the top scorers, of course, Kate Mooney, who was on the show earlier, is the top scorer in the, the league this year. Nine goals for her so far. Onya Gorman and Gemma Quinn on six. And a couple of girls there on five as well. Jesse Stapleton on the score sheet last week. Jenna Slattery also getting a goal. Um, I think they were the only ones uh, that I see there that managed to find the back of the net uh, this week. Uh, in terms of clean sheets, and Courtney Maguire top of the clean sheets charts, but lots of pressure on her. Nibri Burke seven, and Rachel Kelly and Eve Madonna with seven. I have to stop you. When's the last time we've seen the amount of goalkeepers have seven clean sheets like this in a season? Oh, it's Especially phenomenal. After 13, after 13 games. Yeah, it's phenomenal. The quality of the, of the goalkeepers. And even as you go down, we've spoken to and about Anne-Marie Uliak there. She's only got two in her 13 games, but it's probably been one of the best goalkeepers in the league this season. So uh, I, I read sure. a stat. I read a stat. Anne-Marie Uliak has nearly doubled the amount of saves as any other goalkeeper in the league this season. But are you surprised by that? No, absolutely, absolutely not. But like I was surprised to see that Rachel Kelly's Rachel Kelly I think was second on the list. But then again, Rachel Rachel's been superb. Rachel has been superb for Bowers. But I would have expected to see maybe the Cork goalkeepers. But yes, they've probably changed. They've flip flopped a little bit between who's in who's who's been in goals. But like the fact that she doubled the amount of saves, I wasn't surprised. But it just shows you how busy she's been. And like for her to for her to have the amount of clean sheets that she has, Uliak is probably it's probably a bit of a credit to her considering how busy at times she's been. I've just uh, opened a correction on this. Our statistics may be incorrect, but I believe them not to be. Uh, I don't think Cork have kept a clean sheet this season. I don't think they have. You're yeah, mm-hmm. right. I don't think they have. Yeah. So uh, there's no because even the draw, the draw with the draw with Treaty was a was a score draw was a one all draw. Yeah. Let's take a quick look at the Avenir Cup fixtures for this weekend as we move on to that particular competition. And we'll just bring them up here in front of us. We start with Group A uh, at Lone Town, Galway United, Linfield, and Shells. Um, the fixtures I'm just going to bring up at the top bottom of the screen there. So Linfield host Galway United, while at Lone Town host Shelburne at 7 p.m. in at Lone Town Stadium. Linfield, of course, playing in Belfast. Uh, in Group B, uh, the group on the table there: Glen Torn host Wexford Hutes 
And as we heard earlier, Pima returned back to Shamrock Rovers seven days after uh, taking a 1-0 victory from the venue last week. Slightly different game this time around, but still well worth uh, your attention if you're around on Saturday evening in Group C. Uh, Sligo Rovers host Bohemians, while Cliftonville hosts Science Swifts in an all-Northern Ireland clash. And in Group D, Cork City host DLR. That game not in Turner's Cross. I believe it's in Fermoy. Um, and Newton Abbey Strikers Crusaders. Uh, they will take. They will play a Treaty United. So big journey for Treaty up to Belfast for that particular game. But that's what this whole competition is about, Aaron, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But the only thing is, and we don't know from both a Northern Ireland viewpoint from the clubs up there and from the clubs down here as to how strong certain clubs are going to go. Like, realistically, I think Colly O'Neill is definitely going to want to have a look at some of his players from a Rovers viewpoint to see the players who haven't played an awful lot to see what they can offer, especially in a high-intensity game. Pima will probably do a little bit the same. I wouldn't be surprised if the likes of Kate do play, though. Like, the other, the other side of it then is the likes of Shells, apart from there may be 12 or, say, 14 players, a lot of them haven't played a lot of game time. Is Ella Malloy close for Wexford to, to making an appearance in the Avenir Cup? If not, she should she should be back for the for the for the league. But it's it's an interesting competition. The, it's definitely a stop stopgap filler in the season. I don't see it staying as it is going forward if, if it remains next season. I think it'll be moved to maybe a certain a specific one weekend here, one weekend there, or something like that, because it's only really with the with the with the league break, but. Listen, it's a good stopgap filler for the games. Obviously, being live on live on LOI TV this week, we don't know the reason why the games from up north aren't live. It, it could be due to it could be due to the the their potential uh, streaming streaming options or TV options. We don't know. It's something we may try. We may try find out for next week. But yeah, it's 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 a competition that could that could could spark or could go the other way. I don't know how it's going to really go. Yeah. Hoping to get to one of the games this weekend. Hoping to probably probably get that. If any, I'll probably get that alone just because of timings with, with work. If I was to get that, and you probably might be at alone in shells because it's the late one. But some some tasty games out there. Um, I'm be interested to see how it goes. Can you see a club say, going all out to win it? Yes. Yes. You see a Bose, a DLR, a Treaty, a Sligo Rovers kind of saying, okay, some clubs may take their foot off the gas a little bit. Here's an opportunity. We like our draw. We're going to go and try and win this competition. I wouldn't be surprised if if the if the winners of the treaty group potentially get a decent semi final and then could potentially go because they've got treaty Cork uh, DLR treaty Cork DLR and I can't think of the idiot. Crusaders. Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised like in that one because that's the opportunity for one of like. Potentially at the DLR or a or a treaty to pick up a good bit of momentum, a good bit of momentum, and and sort of make a little bit of a push because if teams do make a make a make a, a bit of a, a nineteens, but then again, briefly, the the problem is is from from their sort of side of viewpoint, like if a team just gets to the semi final, they might play to kick their own or some fringe players in the first group games, but if if any of them make the semi final, I can't see them in the semi final and finals already gone a bit like. So that's where it may become a little bit more difficult for one of the weaker teams. But like, I didn't think Lantorum were as strong as they were. And fifty-seven-three and the goal difference is <laughs> is pretty impressive by anyone's stretch. Um, was it after eight games, nine games? Did you say eight games? Yeah, 
that's not bad. Like seven goals average per game. Uh, I'd be worried if I was any goalkeeper in the league where I'd forget about the clean sheets. Uh, you want to try and win games. Um, neck on the block though. Who's going to win the okay, I'm going to give you a funnier another stat though. Right. So I'm looking at the league table. Clifton Vale are second. Clifton Vale are uh, played eight, played eight, won seven, drew one, scored fifty five, conceded two in seven, in eight games. Yeah, I, I think there are one or two teams in that competition, maybe not quite at the grade, and I think that's maybe why uh, the Derry situation has evolved the way it has in terms of them pulling out of that particular competition. Um, neck on the block, who's going to win? You're not getting away with not giving me an answer. I don't know. Because the problem is, is I could tell you, just I'm just going to use Shamrock Rovers as an example. I could tell you Shamrock Rovers is going to win. And then Collie O'Neill goes and puts out a lot of fringe players. And all of a sudden, like, that's the problem. Because if it's the FAI Cup and you turn around and you said, put your nail, your head in the block at the start, I'd probably give, be able to give you an answer. But I actually don't know. And I'm, go- I'm going to say... Uh, Glen Thorne are going to be a, a sneaky out. Glen Thorne will be a sneaky outsider because I think they'll go help the scouter to win it. And if they can start with a win against Wexford, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with that group because I do think P Mount and Shamrock Rovers will play a couple of fringe players. But I, I don't know because it, it all depends on availability of players. I know there's one or two people watching this now who are involved in teams who'll be thinking, or oh, we're going to get a chance to to see players or whatever, but the back of it all, they'd love to win the competition. And I think we'll see as that competition progresses, that bit of rivalry that's automatic in most of our sports uh, people I, will come out. I think if you're if you're in it, if you're still in it with an opportunity to qualify in round in, in the third phase of games, I think we'll see teams go really strong then. Yeah. That's absolutely. when we'll sort of see where teams are when it comes to winning this competition because yes they were what a month a month after so you'll give players a couple of weeks off but at the moment we don't really know how they're gonna really go about it. I would I, the only thing I will say and I'll be I'll be annoyed, I'll be I'll be frustrated if it doesn't happen. I do hope though that the the women's Premier Division teams take it quite serious and don't just yeah. send their under seventeens team and just sort of send the 17s and 19s mix and be like away you go I actually hope that they take it as serious as possible if players are unavailable you I think they will I think they will yeah I think they will in terms of so basically what you're telling me is uh, the reason you're here is to tell us about what's going to happen in the competition and you have no idea it's basically okay okay hold on a minute let's turn it around then. give me your prediction <laughs> um, I, 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 you're not far wrong I was half joking with you um, I think I think it's going to be an interesting opportunity. I think certain teams are going to uh, experiment a bit. And I think some of the, the likely league winners, so your Shells, your Shamrock Rovers, your Paymounts, are going to play slightly changed sides. I think we're going to see the middle tier of teams. I think we're going to see Wexford, who feel like they maybe need to push on a bit after what's been a relatively poor season. I think we'll see them um, use it as an opportunity maybe to galvanise what they've got going on down there in Ferry Carrick Park. I think Treaty have a nice draw alongside Sligo Rovers for an opportunity to get in there. Although I do think Science Swifts might just come through, or Cliftonville. Um, it's Cliftonville and Science Swifts in, in that group. I think it will be. Um, Cliftonville, so no, you're, that's Bowser in that group. Bowser in that one. Science Swifts, Bowes, yeah. So I think Bowes, it's probably set up for Bowes uh, to really have a good crack at this if they take it seriously. But again, we don't know exactly what's happening in every specific squad and, and rotation will be an issue. But I think 
If I had to put money on it, I think I would probably look at either Glen Torn or Bohemians as the team to come out purely because the others might just not take it quite as seriously. So we're kind of on the same page. I was on come here, if, if Wexford beat Glen Torn, it's I, all wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Wexford go on and yeah. because they just need to get that first switch. Because I do think P Mountain and Shamrock Rovers will play a slightly weakened team. But then again, it's also an opportunity for for the likes of a Galway. I don't if Shells and a Flower in the group as well, but like if it's an opportunity for them and I think it is gonna be about whoever takes whoever takes the most the most serious and as I say, I, I, I don't think teams will disrespect the competition. I think they will go at it with an opportunity just because of the fact they have a good break after it. and we'll know an awful lot next week about who's what and you know what I mean in terms of results and how teams are taken serious because I think at the moment we sort of can't say but after the first round of games you'll know which teams are going to take it serious yeah we spoke last week about the squad the night before it was announced you were spot on to be fair uh, with the four Irish girls selected in that there weren't major surprises but you were right about it who do you expect to see coming in or what's the next week or so looking as we build up towards the World Cup so they're in at the minute they're they're in at the minute they're They've been in since, in since Monday in UCD. They've sort of been training away. A couple of players aren't in at the minute. Katie McCabe is not there. Um, Marissa Shavers, Denise O'Sullivan and Sinead Farley aren't there. Katie is due to join, now due to join on the 19th. It was talked that it would be after the Zambia after the Zambia game, but I don't, I can't imagine Katie feature, will feature in that. If anything, she might be given 10 minutes off the bench. It's not really the sort of game that you need her to feature in. Then we'll we'll probably we'll we'll see a little bit more. Then off the back of the week later, then the squad gets squad gets announced. We'll have the twenty three players plus three additional travelling players who are going to be at the cost of the FAI. They'll be at a at a at a press event, and then they'll be the squad that'll go to the France game. And then barring injuries, it'll be it'll be them that'll head off the day after. It's 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 how would you say it's 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 a tentative time because. The one thing I'd say is there's a lot of talk on, especially around social media. There's always going to be a lot of people not happy over squads, not happy over players who've been picked, who haven't been picked. I think if anybody, probably two of the ones that probably feel a little bit hard done by for me is Jesse Stapleton and Claire Walsh. I think they're probably two of the ones that I would say are probably the most hard done by. Jesse obviously scoring in front of Vera on Saturday as well, sort of a real, a real you know statement to score in the first minute, but. On that, could we see a, a 1990 situation? I might be going over a lot of people's heads here, where Gary Waddock was in the 23 and then turfed out the day before that we left. Uh, could we see a situation where something like that happens and just out of left field we pull in someone who's not in the 31? Unlike, um, well, yes, slightly. Eva Mannion and Eva Mannion could come back into the squad. They, she was currently in an e brace, so there's been no update from herself. We might get an update on Friday. About what what the situation is with her, she was to see a specialist early in the week. But other than that, I I can't see her then just t- turn around and putting Jesse Stapleton in. For example, as much as me and <clears throat> excuse me and many others would would agree with it that like as as, as, as from a defender point of view, she, she's consistent, can play in multiple positions. But I can't really see many others coming in. She sort of nailed her, nailed her bed a little bit in terms of that. The only thing. That, the only way I see someone coming now is if it's if it is an injury. But in the in the press conference last week, she sort of did talk a little bit about how Lucy Quinn was on standby for the USA trip and, and come in and started at the games in the US the USA. So the players who missed that camp are back fit as well. But you, you always have worries over a couple, whether they're whether will their bodies hold up hold up like some haven't played an awful lot of football through injuries and like 
never say never that there could be changes, but I think the only way there's a change if there's an injury. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, and we are going to wrap up soon because we're approaching the hour mark, we like to get out before the 60 minutes. Uh, I watched during the week, I binged the Matildas. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's a documentary, I think six or eight parts. Uh, I, I can't remember how many episodes because I just flew through it, but it was phenomenal. Uh, an insight into the Australian camp ahead of uh, obviously hosting the World Cup. You do get reminded about that about every 45 seconds. Uh, that's the only negative I'll say about the whole piece, but it's a lovely little uh, piece. It really brings you into the feel of that squad and the, the trials and tribulations of preparing for a World Cup. We obviously don't get an inside look at what Ireland is going through, but I'm sure it's the exact same. Players picking up niggles, injuries. Uh, will they make it back in time? Uh, do we ACL 15 months out? Will you be back fit? And, and all the things that come into preparing for a World Cup. It's a really, really nice uh, way to spend a couple of evenings if you've got time over the next few weeks and kind of get wet the appetite for what's going to come up. Of course, there are opponents in the first round of games. And of course, as you're about to remind me, Aaron, you have tickets to that match. I have tickets, but I don't really want to use them. That's been honest with you. I don't want to use them. I prefer not to use them. Um, we've I'll take them. I'll, I'll take them. <laughs> uh, I'll, listen, we're going to wrap it up there before you do just, just before, just we'll before you do it. There is a little bit of a talk. There's talk that Ireland has got to be won on Ireland. There's no date as to whether it'll be out pre or post World Cup. It's something that Ross Whitaker is supposedly working on. So I don't know if it's pre or post World Cup. But, Brefney, I can't let you go without mentioning this. The USA ad for uh, the World Cup class, on yeah. Fox Sport. It was brilliant. Absolutely superb. And good news to come out tonight as well is the fact that the European um, was it television associations or whatever they're called have reached an agreement with FIFA. So the disruption over the potential blackout in five or six five or six major European cities uh, countries is now over. And thankfully, the World Cup will be shown up. It was never going to really happen, was it? It was just brinkmanship. No, it was just, it was just to get that little few extra quid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's it for the week. We're going to wrap up. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who joined us and for Kate Mooney for giving us her time after a long day at work uh, in the hospital. I think in hospital. She's a nurse. So uh, uh, the best of luck to her and her teammates this weekend. And of course, to everybody who takes part in the brand new Avenue Sports All-Island Cup, which kicks off this weekend. It promises to be an exciting little competition. Five teams from the north plus the 11 from our own competition. Four groups of four. All the details, if you're looking for it, are on our website, finalwhistle.ie, but you will get it elsewhere as well. Of course, mostly Irish-based games, that's four, I think, this weekend, uh, will be on, um, as usual, loitv.ie. I don't know whether they're extra. Aaron, you might know if they're extra to the program or included. I don't think I don't think they're extra. I haven't seen that they're going to be an extra, char an extra if, charge. If, if, if there is... If there is any extra charge, we'll, we'll be up on both the WNL show and final whistle. We'll make sure just to clarify yeah. that for anybody. We expect it to be part of the of the season pass, but we're not quite sure if it is or not. Anyway, before we hit 60 minutes, that is us. Aaron, thanks for joining me. We'll chat to you again next week.